This episode of Podge Hodge is brought to you by nobody, because we're not dirty, filthy corporate sellouts. Been down on it lately, better than drinking gasoline. I never want to make a scene. It's your call. Try to amaze me. Another dose of dopamine. And I suppose I hope it means it goes on. And you know it's a sin though Breathing you draw the heart on the window My eyes looking narrow Wishing you'd only added an arrow Thought I was the first to come, the last to go But you went out instead Oh no Why you gotta bring me down? Hello and welcome to episode 13 of Pot Hot. Oh god. You okay there? <laughs> Your reaction to that. Yeah, it was pretty great. <laughs> Alright. Uh I am your host, the Crow. And I am joined by my goofy comrade in arms, the judge. Uh Hyuk. Hyuk Hyuk. And today we're gonna be talking about some of those dirty, filthy corporate sellouts. They're fun to poke fun at. They're quite fun to poke fun at yeah yeah we're we're excited about that but first we're gonna dive right into rant or rave in our weekend review yeah so we got a couple of good ones to put in here and this we're gonna start off with a pretty solid rant so we were discussing last night how much time that we thought we had put into dead by daylight uh if you're a frequent listener you know that we love that game uh we play it all the time pretty much every day and Crow was estimating, based on, like, if we played three hours a day, which some days we play more than that, and other days we don't play at all, but just based on an estimation, that he wouldn't be surprised that, you know, we've already put, or he's already put at least 300 hours into this game. And that kind of shocked me, or it kind of disturbed me to think that I had put that much time into it, and I don't feel like I have. But the, the rant of this comes in where we play on PS4, and people who play on Steam, Steam keeps track of all of that stuff. PS4 doesn't. So I'm kind of mad and just a little bit of a minor rant. Why aren't we able to track our total time that we spend playing each individual game on the PlayStation? Why isn't that a core function or a part of the core functionality of the PlayStation operating system? There are some games that have it built in, like The Witcher. I can get on The Witcher and it'll have like an actual game counter or time counter. But some games don't do that. Why not just make it like a by default, like how long the application is open on your PS4? Why don't you just keep like a timer on that or something? It wouldn't be difficult. I don't know. Yeah, I agree with you on that. It's it's something that is severely missing in certain games that would be really nice to, uh, to kind of clarify, especially like whenever I'm going for a platinum, like it would be nice if I could add a little bit more detail whenever I'm doing my reviews and be like, uh, Oh yeah, so it took this long to platinum for me, blah blah blah. Um, because I can't even do that much with some of these games. Nah, man, just treat it like a job. Just have your little log book, and every time you sit down, you know, check into work, write down the time, and then whenever you walk, you know, you gotta check out. Just do it that way. It's more intuitive that way. If I if it was my job, then I wouldn't have to be looking for a new one. Ooh. Ooh. Dark. More on that later. Maybe not. I don't no, know. No. no that's <laughs> okay. all you're getting out of me. Okay. Anyway, my Why turn. don't you take us to a more positive thing? No, this is still a rant. Uh, so, a little while ago, there was a uh, something of a teaser in, uh, in Persona Magazine. They just kind of referred to it as Persona 4 Evermore. Um, they kind of hinted that there was going to be like some... Uh, I don't know, like anime, games, manga maybe. There was going to be something else though. Like Persona 4 is not over yet. And the kind of assumption, the the expectation from this is, oh my god, we're going to get something something Persona 4 video game. You know, whether that's a remake, a remaster, a port, a spin-off. The expectation was that it was going to be something completely different. Um and that we were going to know by the end of last week. Well, here we are, 
smack dab in the middle of a new week and uh, we haven't seen shit on that yet. So I'm feeling kind of salty and borderline betrayed by a rumor. And yeah, I know it's just a rumor right now because it came from a magazine that was translated from somebody that might have just been lying to fuck with us. But why haven't we gotten a fucking Persona 4 port yet to the PlayStation 4? That, that That's my rant. And not not just Persona 4, but like any PlayStation 3 game, any PlayStation Vita game, how hard can it be to port the damn thing? Like, I would pay good money. I would pay more than Persona 4 Golden is worth right now just to have it on PS4. And, you know, like, I'm not going to buy a Vita. Like, I decided that. I thought about it for a while, but I can't buy a Vita just to get one dancing game and one good RPG. Especially when odds are they're going to be ported or remastered or remade or what have you eventually. God, the frustration. that it, it, It doesn't take that much energy or time to port a game, does it? You wouldn't think so, but it is pretty annoying that we've already proven or people have proven that the PlayStation 4 clearly has the capability to emulate PlayStation 2 games. Uh, And Sony has released select games from the PlayStation 2 library onto the PS4. But to me, it should just be backwards compatibility should be a given. I think that that should be something that is always considered in a new console. Uh, So it's a little bit of a bummer whenever... (laughs) You know, all these new consoles come out and there's not very much backwards compatible compatibility. Uh, Xbox is doing a pretty solid job with that. I'm happy with that. But PlayStation really needs to pick up their game on that. Persona 4, I mean, it needs to be ported. But at the same time, I think that whenever they did Golden, it was more... I mean, that was kind of like a remaster slash director's cut that they put on the Vita. So, I mean, I don't think it would be difficult for them to translate that from the Vita to the PlayStation 4, but then again, I'm not a developer, so I don't really know. But I would also like it to be on the PS4. Yeah, that's 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 just where I'm coming from. It can't be that hard, but what do I know? I don't know. What do you know? It's time for Week in Review. <laughs> you really are salty. <laughs> So the big uh, big update of the week is PUBG, uh, PUBG Corp to be specific, is uh, suing Epic Games for Fortnite, claiming copyright infringement. What are your thoughts on this, Judge? This might should have been a rant too because it makes me <laughs> mad that it, well it's stupid. Like PUBG acts like they own the battle royale franchise. All these people on youtube all these videos are coming out today criticizing and critiquing this decision of blue hole or whoever the heck the people who developed PUBG, whoever made the decision to actually go through with this it's happening through a korean court uh i don't know what their copyright infringement laws are like over there but how can they claim to own this whenever they're basing it off of an already pre-established idea from that from the battle royale book that you constantly you've talked about in the past it's stupid it is stupid it we and i I know we had the same thought as soon as as soon as we saw this like they don't own the concept of a battle royale you know we've had the hunger games we've had the battle royale series um well the original novel the manga the videos blah 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 um shit even going back as far as like fucking lord of the flies you know that, that entire situation in the book is basically a Battle Royale situation. So, yeah, PUBG doesn't really have a case here. As far, and like, I haven't really seen anybody, anybody that, that would argue in favor of that. Um, and don't get me wrong, I don't like Fortnite. You're not the biggest fan either. But this is just a really stupid... This is This is the last resort of a loser to me is what it sounds like. This is like, I can't win, so... I'm going to try to make some money off of off of them before I before I bow out. Yeah, exactly. Couldn't have put it better myself. And they tried, you know, a couple months ago, the, you know, player unknown himself came out and said something like, you know, he criticized Epic Games for doing this and basically just discounted the game altogether. But it actually ended up making Fortnite more popular i mean it backfired because they made negative comments towards fortnite it backfired and made fortnite more popular 
he switched his position and he said, you know, oh yeah, I think it's great that, you know, they did that. He, he basically, he backpedaled a lot to try to like save face. And now we thought that they were coming to some sort of amicable agreement. You know, they weren't going to pull something like this. And then we get this, you know, got a lawsuit happening. Yeah. And I, I don't know. Nobody's really concerned that, that Epic Games is going to lose this case. But I think the concern is like, if they did lose this case, that sets a really dangerous precedent. Yes. Yes, it is. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's what we got on that. I'm not going to talk too long about this, but uh, Rune- RuneScape Classic is going to be shutting down after, I think, like 17 years. Not going to lie, whenever I saw you post this, my heart sank a lot because I got worried that it was going to actually be old school RuneScape that was shutting down. That's the one that I was more into. But Classic, I never got to play. That's like the original. It's still a bummer that they're shutting it down. They said that they were only shutting it down because like web development tools are getting so new now that basically the game is breaking itself and their tools aren't compatible with new, the new software and stuff for development. So, I don't know. I mean, there's always going to be like third-party servers that people will make just like that you could play on. It's just it's depressing that they're officially shutting the door on it. 17 years is a pretty good run for an internet game. It's a really good run for an internet game. Yeah, and my first thought whenever I saw that, I went right back to our gaming confessions episode, and I was like, oh man, our disdain for uh, MMORPGs. This is precisely why, because somebody might have sank 17 years into this game. And, you know, they're shutting it down for a good reason, but... I don't know, man. I, I would literally feel like somebody important to me died if this was happening. If I had been like a long time player, like from the get go with RuneScape Classic and they were shutting it down, I don't know. It would hit me hard. Oh, yeah. It would be the same effect for me. Whenever they shut old school RuneScape down, I'm going to feel like I lost someone very close to me. That's what I hate about this. I get really attached to these games. And if it's a really good game that's rooted online. <laughs> It sucks a lot whenever they shut it down and you can never access it again. Yeah, and you don't have too much say over that either. That's that's all up to them. Yep. It's a bummer. It is. Now, now on to a more positive note. You want to kick this off? Oh, man. Today, this morning, it's May 29th. So on the morning of May 29th, Dead by Daylight's PTB server got updated with the new survivor and new killer and also the cosmetics store. And it's pretty awesome. I'm not going to lie. I'm I'm super pumped about it. It's defying what, or I was going into this reserved uh but after seeing what they've come up with, I'm pretty hyped about it. New killer is a clown and he has a ranged attack and a close range attack. He can throw vials that explode. They've got a pretty significant uh range or distance. And if a survivor runs through them, it disorients them, blinds them, and confuses them for one and a half seconds. There are add-ons that alter that. He's really fat and really creepy looking. So they did a good job in the design department on that. He looks like a hobo. <laughs> he looks creepy, though. Have you? Well, you haven't heard. Like, I mean, he's got a creepy laugh associated whenever he hits. And he's actually got a pretty cool like knife flip animation every time he hits someone, too. So they did a pretty good job. Basically, <laughs> pretty good job so far. Um, (laughs) yeah, they've done a really good job, honestly, this update with cosmetics, just like animations. They changed some idle animations that made the characters look better. Um, way higher quality textures. It looks like the survivor is going to be, it's already a fan favorite. Yeah. I guess she was teased earlier. Her name's Kate Denson. Um, she is a songwriter. She kind of has like a country feel to her. She's got like kind of country dress or whatever, but her perks are pretty awesome. She's got a perk that makes it so that it increases struggle effects by 25%, which I called that. Yeah, you really did. We we had been having a discussion about this the other day, and uh, we were like, man, we need something to counter Iron Grasp, and and Judge mentioned, like, I bet there'll be a perk where where the survivor can, uh, like, increases the efficiency of their struggle, and lo and behold, very next survivor they're coming out with does exactly that that's going to be a huge boost for us because uh 
we we're, we're probably both survivor mains at this point like mo- the majority of our gameplay has been centered on survivors and this is going to be a huge buff for us there needed to be a counter to iron grasp that's kind of like a staple for killers and it sucks so much so i'm happy about it it's called boil over that's the name of the perk and the other two are pretty good too but i didn't catch the names for them one of them makes it so that whenever you fast fall over a window or leave a locker uh, you don't leave scratch marks at all. So I'm thinking if you pair this with like quick and quiet or life, great, great build that you could have. Escape build. I don't remember the name of it, but it's it sounds awesome. And then the third perk that she has makes it so that you can see the auras of pallets <laughs> and vaults. So basically, I mean, this is all, all three of these are really great perks, especially that one that makes it so that you, whenever you perform a fast vault, or leave a locker. I think that one would that fits my playstyle really well. See, I'm I'm more interested in uh, in the one that, that reveals the aura of pallets and, and vaults because uh, you know you're you're obviously you're a much better juker than I am, but I'm not terrible. And like, so for me that would be that would be just the edge I need to be able to see that shit in advance. Like whenever I've got a killer on my ass, if I can just see the color and I know straight to go like to go straight for it wherever I see the aura, that would be huge for me. And boil over is obviously going to be like a, a meta perk. Like th- this is basically like the uh, a, a, an annoying survivor's wet dream setup. <laughs> These three perks that have that have been revealed. I agree, and I'm so excited for them. The killer actually has a couple of really interesting perks too. One of them's called colorophobia, and that gives a 30% penalty to healing whenever the killer is within a certain range of survivors. Not bad. Pretty good. Pop Goes the Weasel is a really good one. Uh, it makes it so that after you hook a survivor, the next generator that you kick is regressed by a 15% like of total of whatever it went up to. But that's only at rank 1 or tier 1. Once it goes up to tier 3, uh, it's more. It's like I think tier 2 is like 20% or something, and I think it caps at maybe 25%. That's insane. I mean, you could get a generator down so fast that way. And the last one is Bamboozle makes it so that you can vault 5% faster and you can block a window completely like it calls it. You know how whenever you jump through windows two or three times, it makes it so the entity blocks it off? Mm-hmm. It makes it so that this perk makes it so that it just blocks the window immediately for eight seconds. And that's, once again, a tier one perk. So once that goes to tier three, it's going to be like 15 seconds or something, I bet. It's crazy. Really good job doing it with the perks this uh this update too. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to it. One of the things that I uh was a little nervous about, not ne- not not nervous, but I guess apprehensive is I wasn't sure if they were going to add anything uh completely original in the sense that like uh like whenever we get like the totems and the obsessions and you know things like that, those completely changed the game. Um and I'm not saying that as a bad thing. But I'm 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 a creature of habit, so the idea of trying to adjust to a new idea or thought was kind of intimidating to me. We saw Pig do that whenever she introduced like the traps that you have to like go out of your way to d- disarm before you can really get back to reality. But th- this is like this is just building on stuff that we've already gotten, and I'm I'm really excited to see how this turns out. Yeah, and I've already watched some gameplay of how this changes the game a lot. Bamboozle itself, just that one single perk, if it's put on a killer, destroys. Uh, the shack loops that you can do where like typically the basement is Mm -hmm. because there's typically only one window there. And if you're able to block that window out, they've only got two entrances. And if soon as they drop one of those pallets, especially if you're playing as the, the clown, this, this stun, this, uh, this uh, vial that he can throw really screws up like pallet, just looping in general, because it slows down the survivor a ton. If he hits you and he can lob these over, everything and the range on it's pretty freaking far so i mean this is it's going to be a weird change to the game it's going to take a lot of adjusting but i'm pretty excited for it it's it's going to be interesting oh yeah absolutely the only the only thing that i'm a little bit disappointed in is that they went ahead and and named this killer the clown uh because i know a lot of people were holding out for getting pennywise as a as a killer so to me that almost dismisses that possibility or if they do it's going to look like oh clearly this was a knockoff character 
because um, I think some people felt that way about Hillbilly versus Leatherface, is that they didn't have Leatherface, so they came up with Hillbilly to be kind of a carbon copy, but then when they put Leatherface in the game, it was too similar, so they had to give him a new name. But I, I don't know. It, it just feels less likely they're going to get Pennywise in this game now that they've went ahead and done The Clown. Yeah. Speaking of licensed killers like Pennywise, skins, they revealed the cosmetic shop as well. And unfortunately, all the licensed killers and survivors, we can't get any new cosmetic items for them until they finish having talks with the uh, license holders about that. But on the flip side, all the other skins that they've added look pretty dang sick. I mean, I don't know if you've got a chance to look at them, but I've already got my personal favorites. I think that for survivors, they did the best job with Jake. Jake has some of the coolest looking skins that they've revealed. Um, and as far as killers go, they've got a dapper doctor look where he's like <laughs> in a full out suit, like an actual suit. And he's oh, got like Lord. a baseball bat. Going to buy the crap out of that. It looks <laughs> awesome. Um, and nurse, they've got a pretty cool looking like um, till death do us part bride oh, wow. nurse skin. Yeah, and so they've got like a white veil that makes it look like she's in a white wedding dress with a veil, and they've got a black variant of that, and I am so going to jump. I don't even play as the nurse, but that black skin that they made for that looks sick. I haven't uh I haven't had a chance to look at the uh the the skins that they've thrown into like the PTV. Um and I need, I need to go and find those, but I I'd seen like a sneak preview of them whenever they were doing their last uh live stream. And uh some of those looked really good. I know Everybody's uh, everybody's losing their shit over. Uh, oh my God, David's shirtless, and maybe we can get some of the other survivors shirtless. It, it's still, I still like the the cosmetic concept though, because you know, Overwatch. That's really all you can do besides besides winning and losing. Like you don't really have much much to play for unless you're playing for the cosmetics. Um, and you know, I'm all I'm all about that. So this is it's gonna be great once once I get a chance to start jumping on these uh these new cosmetics for Dead by Daylight. Yeah. And plus, you know, they added a, a hag skin that makes it so that you look like a walking head of lettuce. So it's pretty great. <laughs> she looks like lettuce now. Uh Beautiful. but I was gonna mention too that you'll probably be happy because they added a ton of cosmetics for Fing Men. Yeah. She got more than average, more than the average amount of like a legendary or purple skins or whatever, but I personally think they're ugly. Maybe you'll like them, but thing men got some love. They um, somehow found a way to make Nia uglier. Uh, her <laughs> skins look God awful. I hate them, but everyone pretty much hates Nia anyway. So I doubt anyone's going to buy those yeah. anyway. Yeah, this could look, this is shaping up to be a really good update. I'm excited about the direction that behavior is going with these, uh, three month updates and like, alternating between bug fixes and all that stuff and new killers and it's it's great i'm liking it a lot year three is looking pretty great also an fyi i think they i think they said that they're gonna like close the shrine of secrets until uh until the update's released so i don't know if they've if they've already done that or if that's gonna be like after next week or something like that but in the near future we're not going to be able to access the shrine of secrets so our iridescent charge is just going to be building up until until they drop the update that was something. Did you see how much they were charging for the skins if you were going to buy them with iridescent shards? Mm, I feel like I might have, but I can't remember. Was it like 600 or something? Oh, God, no. It's it's way more than that. So they've got costume sets that get you like three separate kind of like three separate cosmetic items, like a head, a shirt, and pants. If you were going to get some of those sets, like the purple sets... It's like 80,900 iridescent shards. Yeah, it's crazy. I don't know how that's going to work, but... Well, they did say that you can earn iridescent shards easier, but I don't know how much easier is easier, so that'll be something to kind of test out whenever they release the update. But anyway, yeah, that's updates on Dead by Daylight. All right, we've talked about that long enough. Just kind of quickly, have you heard about Disenchantment? I have no idea what that is. So I saw it kind of teased on online a few, uh, just a day or two ago, actually. Um, it's a Netflix series that uh, Matt Groening's coming out with, and he's he's the one that created The Simpsons and Futurama. 
and this is going to be like a it kind of looks like a medieval version of the Simpsons or Futurama. Like if Futurama is the futuristic, this looks more like, uh, the, I don't know, Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings esque Simpsons. Whoa, that's weird. Yeah, sounding. I, I know I know like nothing about it other than like the imagery that they've shown so far, but it's Matt Groening and he he's always amazing with with the shows that he releases and. So I'm I'm excited about this, and I think it's coming out in June. No, 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 not June. Uh, I think it's coming out in August. I want to say. Huh. Have to keep an eye on that. Yeah. Definitely excited about that. Detroit Become Human came out. Yeah. What What are your like? Have you heard anything about that? Because I've seen so much mixed reception about it. I'm not really sure what to think. Uh, I've also heard mixed things about it. Cat loves it. She says it's an amazing game. Yeah, she, it was her. It was her top pick for tw- games released in 2018, right? Yes, it was. So I mean, that says something. But I've also seen people say, "Well, I think the the consensus that I've gotten is that people like the story, but they don't like the gameplay." Which I mean, it's a game that's focused on the story anyway, so I doubt that a lot of people that buy it are really looking for good gameplay. But it tackles some pretty heavy topics, um, some really heavy topics like child abuse, and uh, that's all. That's the one that I heard about a lot, the most. But I, I'm wanting to play it sometime. I mean, it looks pretty solid. Hopefully, it will drop in price soon. Oh, definitely. The, I mean. I don't know, maybe it's just me, but this is the kind of game that I could easily see becoming like free on the PlayStation Plus or for for PlayStation Plus uh members at some point. Like it wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, at some point. Not not anytime really soon, but maybe in a year or two. Yeah. And we are creeping up on E3. We're about 2 weeks away and this is generally my favorite time of the year. I get super excited. June is one of my favorite months solely for this reason. And along that note, the press conferences have times have been finalized and it is shaping out to be or to look like a really, really good uh, show schedule. They spread out the shows this year. La- uh, complaint last year and some of the years prior was that they grouped all the shows together and it was hard for people to watch across different time zones because it would track across into like the wee hours of the night it's looking like we're going to get an ea press conference on saturday the 9th june 9th we're getting microsoft and bethesda sunday the 10th and then my favorite and the heaviest weighted day is going to be monday the 11th because square enix who hasn't held a conference in a long time is holding an e3 press conference that's awesome i'm excited to see some more kingdom hearts 3 news uh, maybe some other surprises that they're going to whip out. Probably some Final Fantasy 15 news, which we're super, super pumped about. Ready for DLC number 19. It's going to be great. Uh, Ubisoft is having their presser after Square Enix. And then there's going to be the PC gaming show. And finally, we're closing out that day with Sony. And hey. so, yeah, and Sony's already pretty much given us a solid idea of what they're going to be focusing on, like Death Stranding and the Spider-Man game and a couple others. Last it's going of to be Us great. Part 2. Last of Us Part 2. That's probably going to be the hottest anticipated game that they're going to show off. And finally, because Nintendo is always Nintendo and wants to be special little snowflakes, they're going to go on Tuesday the 12th and they're going to have a video presentation because they don't attend E3, so it's going to be like a Nintendo Direct. But <laughs> they'll probably show off some new Switch games. Because they're all in on the Switch, and I'm still pretty excited to see what they're coming up with. We're going to have probably next week a uh, Road to E3 show where we delve into this stuff a little bit more. And we're really excited about doing that, so be looking forward to that. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm going to be going with one of my friends to E3 this year. Um, and I already kind of ran the idea by her, and she she's not opposed to the idea of being a guest on our show at some point. So, you know, not sure if it'll be like right after I come back from E3, but, you know, ideally as soon as possible, I'd like to get her on just so we can, she can give her uh, impressions as well. Yeah, that would be great. Hopefully we can line that out. I'm sure we can. Uh, Also, hopefully you'll be able to do some uh, coverage from the gamer floor 
and maybe report back on what you're experiencing, what you're seeing. Uh, yeah, we need to we need to work that out, but we'll do that offline. Sounds great. Well, it was a really eventful week, and we spent a lot of time talking about stuff uh, for the weekend review. But now we get to segue into our main topic. So the main topic for this week. Do sponsors have a place in video games and, well, I guess pop culture in general, but we're specifically looking at video games for this. And it's it's kind of one of those things, like, I work at a nonprofit right now, so we have a few rules when it comes to, like, who we can accept donations from. Um, For example, since a lot of the work that we do involves kids, for obvious reasons, we can't accept sponsorships from alcohol companies or cigarette companies, you know. Things like that that are kind of obvious. I feel personally like something like that kind of also applies to video games in the extent that I don't personally necessarily have a problem with anybody taking on sponsorships, like doing product placement and shit like that, as long as it's not to the detriment of the art, to the detriment of what the game is trying to convey. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? I feel similarly. I think that it's not necessarily a problem to have sponsorships in media in general. And I'm kind of I'm kind of approaching this from the perspective of games, anime, uh movies, you know, basically media in general. And I don't think it's a problem to have sponsorships or or you know, product plugs if you will in specific instances, but you got to be cognizant of the audience that you are talking about and talking to. And you can't, like, similar to what you said, I don't think it's right for, like, cigarettes to be able to be, like, like if there was a cigarette placement in, like, a kid's game, like, or a rated E for everyone game or something like that, I don't think that would be possible without, you know, with the ESRB now tightly regulating that stuff or at least notifying parents of what's in these games. But... I mean, I don't think that there's a problem with it, but there are some really wacky and zany situations that are worth talking about (laughs) that, I don't know, we've got several examples that we kind of threw around for this, and I guess we're going to talk about them and maybe bring up some of our ideas and application for these examples, and hopefully we'll have a pretty good conversation about it and come to some sort of conclusion on how we feel about this. Yeah. Um, I mean, kind of going with what you just said, um, you really have to know your audience if you're going to be, you know, utilizing product placement, utilizing sponsorships and, and, and all that good stuff. Um, Square Enix and their relationship with, uh, I don't know how it's pronounced, Nissin or Nissin, Nissin, however. The people who make cup noodles. Cup noodles, yeah. Square Enix and and cup noodles are, are in bed together and they've been you know, going hard at it with Final Fantasy 15 and, and Dissidia, and I, as far as I'm aware, probably for the foreseeable future. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if the Final Fantasy 7 remaster has some fucking cup noodles in it somewhere, like on a giant <laughs> billboard in Midgar or something. Um, <laughs> but here's, here's the thing. I'm actually kind of fond of the relationship at this point, because, um, you know, any college student has survived on ramen at some point. And, you know, these cup noodles are, are the preferable to the packaged ramen, in my opinion. Uh, <laughs> you know, fan of Japanese food, which, you know, granted, th- these aren't exactly high quality staples, but <laughs> it is still a staple. Um, and again, they know their audience. Their audience hails from Japan. This is a Japanese company that you know, influences people in the West too. I think it's a good, I think it's a good partnership that that causes a lot of, uh, it it gives us a lot of charming moments in the game itself. And if you're a fan of, of the cup noodles then you're going to be like stoked to see, Oh my God, Noctis can unlock a cup noodles hat. (laughs) (laughs) You know, to me, this is an example where a lot of people feel like it's an oversaturated, oversaturated relationship. But I'm I'm kind of fond of it personally. I'm coming at it from the same perspective you are. This is an example where it's not harmful. It's nothing harmful. But I will say that the first time I played through Final Fantasy 15, and I saw the prominence of cup noodles throughout, 
the game. <laughs> I I had some really heavy high like eye rolling moments. So I was just like, God, why are they doing this? Like, why is the they're freaking cup noodles everywhere. They're on the billboards. There's a freaking quest where you're trying to help one of the freaking party members go and find the perfect cup noodle, like the perfect cup noodles or the perfect ingredients for them or whatever. I mean, it seemed like they were just really bashing you over the head with like, go buy cup noodles, go buy cup noodles. They're amazing. Go buy them. They're great. They're cheap. But <laughs> like you said, it became charming. Like I look back on it now and I'm just like, man, I laughed at that. Like I chuckled at it and it's not harmful. Cup noodles aren't bad. I mean, I guess it can be because, you know, they've got like a thousand milligrams of sodium in them, but you know, there's, it's not a bad example of like product placement. I don't think. Yeah. And it, I don't, I don't disagree with you in that. Like I was rolling my eyes hard at some of that shit, but <laughs> it was, it, it, it's like they're, they're borderline breaking the fourth wall with some of the, with some of that stuff because, you know, we've got Ignis who's like a high level chef who's made like, you know, you, you can have like literally dozens, if not hundreds of recipes, recipes and <laughs> like fucking Gladio will just be like, man, I really want some cup noodles. And everybody be like, oh, yeah, those are the best kind of noodles. And you're just like, what the fuck? You've got a bona fide <laughs> chef with you and you're you're all craving cup noodles. They all throw Ignis under the bus for cup noodles. It's great. It's pretty great. Yeah, and it's Gladio who's saying it, too. You know, big buff Gladio's like, yo, I'm looking for the perfect thing of cup noodles. You know, I just really need it to, like, give me the motivation to save the world and all that. You're just like, God, what I the I can't heck? even remember how that quest went, but I feel like it's like, oh, the perfect cup noodles was in your heart. I don't remember what it was, but I remember doing it. I think I was, like, passively doing it because I was like, I can't actually use my mental faculties <laughs> to pay attention to a quest about cup noodles and you unlock that as a recipe a recipe oh, good times that's pretty great see there were some good things that came out of final fantasy 15 yeah well you know still debatable but you know we're we're okay with it right yeah that's so yeah that's not that's not a bad example of product placement i don't think what would be an example of a bad or just like bad product placement. Um, <laughs> so I think and like so I never played EverQuest, but this is what this is what I've heard. EverQuest Two had product placement with uh, with Pizza Hut, and I don't know the specifics behind this, but apparently they were able to place it in such a way that you could like literally call and order pizza while you're playing EverQuest. So <laughs> you know you. You finally, you finally overcome the hurdle. How can I get food when I'm playing video games? Now the only problem is, fuck, I need to get up, answer the door, and pay the man. <laughs> but oh my god, to me, to me, that's uh, a why the f how how does Pizza Hut play into EverQuest? And B, that's almost that's that's almost like borderline irresponsible to <laughs> to have product placement in an online like in an online game that people are going to be playing like an MMORPG, you know, if we had fucking like, uh, if we had pizza hut, like if you could dial pizza hut or order it from pizza hut while you're playing runescape as a fucking kid. Ooh, man, our parents would have grounded us so many times. Yeah. And again, yeah. It's, it's also just like, how does pizza hut have anything to do with EverQuest? Like I could see, I could see ramen noodles in a Japanese game, but <laughs> am I missing something? I don't get it. I mean, not I don't get it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how they could shoehorn that in and make it work. Yeah. Then another uh, another one that I thought was really interesting because I wasn't really aware of this. Apparently, the Obama campaign had product play or quote-unquote product placement, meaning, you know, campaign billboards and shit like that, in, like, 18 different EA games, including Burnout Paradise. And, and that kind of, like, I don't know, it brings to mind, like, another, uh, almost another point, is that ethical? You know, they, they can say, like, it doesn't reflect our views, and I guess, theoretically, you could have both parties, multiple parties, doing the same thing, um... But it's like it's like adception. Like you got the ads in the real world, 
And then they're putting ads in video games that are from the real world. If I remember correctly, they caught a little bit of flack for that because they were... Are you talking about EA or the Obama campaign? I, th- I remember seeing it in the news a lot. I don't really think it was the Obama campaign. I think it was more the fact that they were they were swaying people, maybe young people that weren't that were impressionable mm-hmm. by having like a billboard advertising one candidate over the other. And I mean, granted, they were probably if if they were making that argument that they were young and impressionable, they weren't going to be old enough to vote anyway. But there was there were some conversations going around about it, and it got quite a bit of media attention because I remember seeing at least three articles about it. Um, And I think, though, that that EA was, like, literally trying to advertise itself as, like, you know, this is this is not this is no different than than paying for ad space in a magazine or on the radio or on TV. And in a way, it's really not like I've got mixed feelings about it because it feels unethical. But how is it really any different than than just having a billboard put up in the real world, except for the fact that it's primarily children? Well, I say children. It's primarily young adults that are playing video games that would be seeing this. See, I don't know if it's once you bring that up, I'm not sure it's unethical because to me it's no different than people display their political preferences all all the time. I mean, you can drive around and see people out on their front lawns, they have like picket signs that are advertising the candidate that they want. So to me, it doesn't seem any different for a campaign to pay or to like inquire if a company would be interested in advertising their support for that candidate in their game. I mean, it doesn't seem any different to me. So I don't think that there's a problem with it. Uh, it's it's a little weird because that was the first time it was done, or it was one of the first times it was done, first time I've seen it, I've seen it in my lifetime. But it's definitely an interesting out-of-the-box approach to kind of like sponsorship or like getting the word out or like to an audience or tapping into an audience that maybe wouldn't care otherwise. See... And another another thing that that kind of got me thinking about too was we had we had an entire episode on microtransactions, right? And to me, this might be the fucking solution. Like if people actually utilized quote unquote ad space in video games, like they wouldn't need to charge for microtransactions to support their development because they're they're a dual industry business at that point i mean not that i think that they would go that route like i still feel like they would try to charge you for microtransactions but it, it's a plausible solution is what i'm getting at if, if the world is big enough i think that i would prefer to see ads in games <laughs> rather than having to buy loot boxes to get cosmetics out of them yeah i i kind of feel the same to be honest and you know you never play i don't think you ever played infamous have you no See, <laughs> to me that that would have been a really a really fun use of ad space because, like in in Infamous uh, Second Son, y- you have the ability to like do graffiti. So, like, what if you had a fucking campaign billboard and you could graffiti on it? <laughs> like, you could show support. You sh- you could antagonize. It doesn't affect anything in the game. It doesn't affect the real world. But you can still make your own statements in your own world that people have paid to have, you know, populated with their ads. To me, that's a it could it could literally change gaming if if, you know, people jump on ad space and developers are suddenly trying to figure out, well, how can we make this interesting for the players? That's a pretty interesting point. I actually like that. And I mean, that's a if you think about it. Like, if you had someone who just really didn't like a can a candidate or a campaign leader or something, and they paid for ad space or whatever, and you had the ability to do that, that's, like, arguably a healthy way of displaying your protest without being a complete jerk about it in real life or doing anything like that. I mean, that's an actual really interesting point, and I think that that may actually be a point of concern or a point of support for how this could be a good thing, how that it might actually have a place in video games. You know, there's there are other examples that talk about advertising 
in uh, in games and other sources and media that kind of just seem transient. Like they they so naturally fit in that it doesn't even seem obtrusive in the least. And I'm referring specifically to like skateboarding and racing and just sports games in general. Oh yeah, because yeah, because like you go to those events in real life. And there's advertisements everywhere. You go to a racetrack and they've got advertisements literally surrounding the racetrack. You go to a basketball arena and you've got arena or uh, you've got advertisements hanging from the walls everywhere. Adidas, Nike, all these all these different Gatorade, you know. Yeah. Yeah, like these all make these make sense. So when you have games like Madden and you've got uh NCAA games and two K like, games. I feel like it would make a lot less sense. Like if they didn't have these kind of product placement in them, exactly. I, I feel like they're almost mandatory because it's not even. I mean, it wouldn't make sense. It'd be weird if you had to develop and part of this experience, part of the experience that I know a lot of people I know that are into sports games are is about immersion and wanting to feel like making your own character and you know, like in basketball games, going through my park or whatever and like building your character up to the like be in the NBA or whatever and be like the best basketball player ever. And to me, it wouldn't make sense. Like that experience has people come to you in that like miniature campaign that you're going through. That's like, uh, you know, you're getting sponsored. It wouldn't freaking be right. If someone came up to you in the game and was like, you're, you're being sponsored by Pikey or some sort of like crass knockoff of something, you know, or like, Adidas instead of Adidas or something, you know, like <laughs> it, it just, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, I'm just saying it, that's an instance, like you said, that it would be weird if they didn't actually have the real sponsorships because they're actually, people want to be sponsored by those people in real life. They want to be sponsored by Nike and Adidas and Reebok and Puma and all of those. So it just makes sense in those games. Yeah, and you know, you you've seen like you've seen games spring up about like that revolve specifically around product placement. You know, Pepsi Invaders and I, I feel like there was like a Pepsi Man Go or something like that. <laughs> I, I don't know, like these are like charming. These are you know exactly what you're getting into with games like that. Um it's all about product placement and you're going to have fun while you're, you know, basking in their product placement. <laughs> Yeah, and you know what? You mentioning that reminded me of one that we didn't even put on this or put in our outline. Do you remember whenever Burger King had their little product or their little promotional deal where if you went in and you got a meal, you would get a game with your meal? Do you remember this? Uh, Maybe. What game? It was they had these games that they had specifically developed for Burger King. And there were like three of them. And if you went in and they were for like Xbox 360, you would go in and buy the meal and they would give you a copy of the game. And it would be like, I only remember a couple of them. There was like bumper cars or something. And then there was another one that's called sneak King instead of just sneaking. And it had the Burger King in it. Uh, they all had the Burger King in it, but, uh, and then there was another one that I don't remember, but anyway, this was a really, really crafty way of like sponsoring their stuff. Burger. I mean, it brought a ton of people in. I, I knew people at school that were like, I got to go to Burger King sometime in like the nearest town so that I can get those games and try them out. And it worked. They were garbage games. Like they're really <laughs> garbage games. But, and you can tell because if you go to any mom and pop shop, like secondhand game store, there's like 50 trillion copies of them like stacked in the back of the room that they want to burn because they can't sell them. And they're like five cents on the shelf and no one wants them. Uh, but anyway, like it, this isn't, I mean, that's an example of like a creative way of using sponsorships in games. And it worked. Like, I don't know if that's maybe contributing to the argument of whether or not sponsorship should be in games, but it came to mind. It's a really, it was a lucrative thing for Burger King. And it worked. Well, I think the kind of difference between the two, though, would be like uh, it, it's one thing for Burger King or Coca-Cola to put out like their own games that are like, you know, it's it's a literal it's literal product placement with gameplay. Like, that's all it is that like that's one thing. I think the concern is like, what if the game became all about this? Like, what if 
you know, what if um, what if Subway had the ability to dictate what happens in Uncharted 3 in a way that makes Subway stand out better, you know, like like what if he has to what what if you have to beat the final boss with like a foot long or some bullshit? You know, <laughs> yeah. That would be ruining the game. It would yeah. be funny, but but that would be a clear example of like, oh my god, Subway's just ruined this game. And in the end, Nathan Drake found his treasure, and he went home and lived happily ever after with a lifetime supply of Subway footlongs. <laughs> the final boss is like Jared Fogle. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Given the uh, turn of events with that situation, I'm not sure if that that it would be a boss, the it true be, enemy of it humanity. Would be very satisfying, and Subway probably still has control over his uh, over his image, right? Ah, <laughs> uh, God, I hope not. Well, he's in prison, so I don't know how well, they're yeah, doing he's that. In prison, and Subway disassociates themselves with him. But you know, I'm just saying, if they were going to make a video game, it's all about product placement. Jared Fogle is the final boss. I get what you're saying. Yeah, it's. I don't know. Some of these others, some of the others that we talked about, they don't really seem harmful. They seem more like tongue in cheek, just kind of like parodies, sort of. Like, I thought of JoJo. This isn't related to games, but in Battle Tendency, Joseph says that he hates the Japanese. Like, he doesn't like Japanese anything. And yet, he gets a walk, a Sony Walkman, and it like <laughs> zooms in on the Sony Walkman, and he loves the Walkman. Like, he loves it. So, I mean, that's kind of. I don't think there's any harm or foul in that. Uh, there were a couple of episodes in Yu-Gi-Oh! where Mae Valentine, or I, I mean Mae Valentine according to the 4Kids dub, which we already know how we feel about that, but Mae, uh, she uh, drank a Pepsi in like the Japanese version. I think they censored it. 4Kids dubbed that out or censored <laughs> that out. That seems like it'd be more disturbing seeing her do something like that censored out. <laughs> Uh, well, it was like they, they messed up the logo or whatever and made it so that it wasn't, you couldn't easily identify Because oh, the Pepsi logo, they the Pepsi the logo is really... I thought you meant they censored yeah. out the entire bottle. I was like, what is she putting in her mouth? No, no, they just made it, because the Pepsi logo is very distinguishable, so they had to go around making that just in case people, they didn't want people, they didn't want to get in trouble with like Pepsi or have to pay Pepsi for that or whatever. Um, and there's Starbucks pro or, uh, featured in Yu-Gi-Oh as well. I want to talk about Code Geass. I, I want to throw that one in here because that is, that's the first like media I think that I've watched where the product placement was just so ham fisted that it was almost distracting. Like Code Geass is arguably one of the best anime ever made and it's considered the best by a lot of people. But for some freaking reason, they had this Pizza Hut made a really good deal with Code Geass, and they made it so that they're like literally Pizza Hut signs that are visible in every single episode, and the cast will like eat pizza like every chance that they get. So, and it's always Pizza Hut, like it's very clearly got the Pizza Hut logo, it says Pizza Hut on it, all the signs say Pizza Hut, and it's really freaking weird because this is a anime that's taking place in like a universe where the American revolution failed and the Americas <laughs> became the new seat of a new absolutist British empire after Napoleon kicked him out of the British Isles, all this weird stuff. And yet somehow pizza hut was the eternal constant and all that that survived. Um, I, I don't know. Like it, it's laughable for me to look back on now, but like it almost destroyed. I mean, there's such a good narrative in that anime. I think that it almost destroyed the art that it was. So I'm not so sure that's a good way of doing sponsorships. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm honestly kind of surprised that we haven't seen like Arby's do any clear, obvious product placement. Oh yeah. That, that'll have to happen if it hasn't already. Yeah. I don't know. What, what's, what's the, what's the final verdict though? Cause we, uh, you know, it, it seems like, product placement can ruin games if it's not done properly, but it also feels like it can possibly enhance the experience. Do I want to go that far? Should we say enhance? This is tricky. I, I'm not sure. Like I said, with sports games, I think it enhances the experience, but that's the only thing that I can, that's the only instance I can think of where the product placement actually makes 
a positive inf- uh, difference. A lot of these things we talked about, at best, I would say they're neutral. Like, they don't... Some of them don't, like... They're not bad. They're not good either. I just don't know if that's enough to say that they deserve a place... Like, they don't deserve a place, I guess. I think that they deserve a place. I think they're fine if they're done right. It's just the matter of them doing it right. Yeah. I mean, you could also... It's interesting to think about from a cultural uh, context, too, because, like, you know, what if what if the fucking Mona Lisa had Pizza Hut in the background or something like that? Um. <laughs> you know what's <laughs> funny? I was literally, I promise you, no joking here. I was actually going to say literally that exact same thing. <laughs> like, 20 minutes ago, I was thinking, you know, it, I was going to go on this thing and say, like, oh, it's an art form. And, like, if you imagine something like the Mona Lisa having, like, a freaking... Like, just a big, blatant advertisement in the background of it. Like, that is exactly what I was going to say. Well, but it's like, it would kill it for... I feel like it would kill it for people that are, like, living in that moment. But it would be, like, a cultural artifact for people, like, you know, in a few hundred years or something like that. Yes, um, yes, it would add a social commentary to the issue. <laughs> she was clearly <laughs> a fan of the Italian diet. <laughs> I wonder if she preferred extra sauce or light sauce. <laughs> but anyway, it's obviously it's a different story with uh, with video games because we're not quite going into a hundred years, probably, with most of them. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe still some potential there. I think that my final verdict is that they have a place. They do have a place in certain video games and in certain media. But they can definitely be done wrong, and probably more often than not, they're just, they don't do any harm, but they can do immense harm if it's not something that's watched and sort of regulated a little bit. Kind of like what you said with, like, drugs and freaking cigarettes and alcohol. You can't put those in kid games. You can't put those in games that are going to be exposed to kids. But then that brings up the issue. That's the whole another problem i mean because kids are playing rated m games anyway so like and if the srb meant like ranks it based on like the prevalence of like harmful substances being in the game i mean it's not really i don't know that's a whole different issue it's difficult i don't know i don't know where do you feel like on this final verdict final verdict um (laughs) I, i feel like it's case by case like it honestly it would depend on and, you know, it sounds like almost prejudice to say that. Like, you have to be prejudiced with product placement, though, because it's not just, uh, you know, you're not just in it for the money. Like, you're affiliating your brand with their brand. You know what I mean? Like, uh, like if, if Naughty Dog is affiliated with Subway, okay, who cares? They're both relatively clean brands. But if, uh, you know, if you put in, like, fucking... Well, you know, I'm obviously biased, but say you put in a Trump campaign <laughs> campaign billboard in a Naughty Dog game. We've talked about the company before. That pretty much goes against their ideals. So that would be, it would send mixed signals. It would it would destroy probably their brand before it destroyed Trump's. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just something that it's got to be, like you said, it's got to be regulated, but it also has to be carefully scrutinized which i can't imagine that any of these people that are doing product placement don't think heavily about this like they're not just jumping on oh hey we're getting we're getting a few hundred thousand dollars to include this they know what's at stake before they're doing it but yeah poor decisions have been made case by case basis is definitely the way to tackle this but it's a good topic and it's definitely something that needs to be talked about uh, something to be considered, and I'm glad that we actually addressed it because it's a really interesting debate that you could have about all this. Yeah, and I, I don't know personally. I f- I feel like this is going to be more prevalent in the future, like not this year, maybe not next year, but probably within the next five to ten years. Oh yeah, for sure. I don't doubt that. Well, we'll see though. We'll address this as it bec- if it becomes a further issue or a more prevalent issue we'll address it i'm sure yep potch hodge forever forever hundred years nine more seasons (laughs) 
Oh, man. Okay. Well, that leads us to our ending. Uh, our Lumber Shame and Phrase of Praise. <laughs> what was that? I don't know how I did that, but... Oh, no, I yeah. wanted it to be jarring. That's our transition. Us, that our ending. Our Lumber Shame. It, it had to be a formal transition. I wanted it to feel like a train wreck. It was a train wreck. Congratulations. That's all I ever want to hear about our show, <laughs> is that it's a train wreck. So, our name of shame... It's pretty great because we've been playing. Whenever we get together and play online now, I've noticed for the past two or three episodes, we've been lucky enough to get a name of shame like the night before the episode. We always find someone with a really terrible name that we can put on here to shame. Uh, and sometimes I guess it's not really even shame. Sometimes they're awesome. But our name of shame for this week is Sweaty Bat Nipples. With no spaces, and it's spelled the exact way you'd expect. This was a Dead by Daylight player. Um, I don't remember if there was any funny stories associated with him, but think, just the name itself. I think this was the other survivor that escaped with you. Oh, yes. We we locked arms, Sweaty Bat Nipples and I, and we eloped out of that exit gate, teabagging all the way out. Exactly what you would expect from Sweaty Bat Nipples. exactly what i would expect from that and then uh our phrase of praise actually came from there's a lot of hype uh mounting up about the incredibles 2 and yeah everyone's really super excited about it and i don't blame them incredibles was a great the original incredibles was a great movie uh so i figured you know we would do a little bit of a throwback and if you remember in the original incredibles uh mr incredible was sued by this guy named Oliver Sandsweet near the beginning of the movie. And you know what's funny? Because it seems like this is something that would actually happen oh, nowadays. God. You're exactly right. <laughs> Basically, he saves him. And, you know, he's a superhero. But he saves this guy who is trying to kill himself, which is really interesting. It's a dark moment in a freaking Disney movie or whatever. But anyway, tries to he saves him from killing himself. And <laughs> it turns around on Mr. Incredible and they're like having this uh this this little debate like he's on television and the guy yells at Mr. Incredible and he's like I saved your life and he Oliver Sandsweet says back you didn't save my life you ruined my death <laughs> it's, it's it's funny and it, I, like it's creepy because it does seem like something that would happen i think he won that case too didn't he yeah he did cuz all the all the superheroes had to go into like hiding or whatever they had to live amongst the regular citizens and they couldn't they couldn't, like, make their superpowers apparent to the public. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, that's a funny... That's the phrase of praise for this week. I, I always thought that was funny. Um, it's funnier now than it was then. Yes. Whenever I first watched it, I was young, but I still laughed at it because I realized the oxymoronical nature of the quote. But then, now, I went back and, like, listened to it, and I laughed even more because I was like, that is something that totally seems like it could happen. No. <laughs> I, I could see myself doing that, to be honest. I can see yourself doing that, too. Be pissed off. You ruined my death. <laughs> gotta, gotta make some funny moments out of these dark, dark times that happen in these kids' movies. Tee-hee. Tee-hee. So with that, we're done with episode 13. It was our unlucky 13th episode. I was just about to say, we are like on the same wavelength today. It's awesome. I was going to say, we went through the entire show without mentioning anything about your namesake or your like your uh, alias online. Yeah, we did. My, my alias now. is Unlucky13, by the way. And uh, I think we came, to the, uh, we came to the theory that people see my name and they think, oh, I'm going to fuck with this guy because he's unlucky. And I'm going to make sure he's unlucky. <laughs> I'm really convinced that that's what happens. It would make sense. It, I don't know why it took this long to think about that, like to, to come up with that theory. Because, uh, God, I don't think I'm a terrible player, but I really get shafted sometimes. You should have considered this, man. No one's going to mess with a guy named Prestige Potato. <laughs> <laughs> Man, don't fuck with that guy. He's a bona fide badass. He must not care about shit if he called himself that. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, 
We've made it to the end of the episode, and you have too. We're glad you made it. We want to hear from you. We want to know, does product placement belong in games? Does it belong in media in general? Just really, your thoughts on this entire issue would be very much appreciated. Where might you be able to provide us with those thoughts you may be thinking in your head? Where can I... How did I know? Yes. Where can I bombard you with my thoughts and feelings on this issue? Well, I'm glad you asked. You can contact <laughs> us on Twitter. Twitter. Um, our tweeter handle Ugh. is at RealPodchodge. Or you could just do the old-fashioned thing, forgo the snail mail, and just email us at contact at podchodge.net. You know, we've got this lovely website that we'd love you to visit. It's podchodge.net. We've got a lovely archive of all of our episodes you can go and check out. Got a forum that we're setting up. It's going to be swell. We're still looking for sponsors. (laughs) (laughs) We want to be filthy, dirty corporate sellouts. (laughs) We we can't be filthy, dirty corporate sellouts until we go corporate first. (laughs) Please help us. But anyway, yeah, this is the end of the episode. This is the judge signing out. This is the crow signing out. Deuces. See ya. See ya.